You are listening to the Indie Game Development Podcast Show, sponsored by Curiosoft Kids Games and the letter E. Visit the Indie Game Development Podcast site at www.indiegamepod.com. Welcome to the Indie Game Development Podcast Show. Uh, with me today is a special guest. How about you introduce yourself? I'm Tom Warfield of Good Soul Development, uh, author of Pretty Good Soul there. Great. Uh, how did you get into games? Uh, well, actually, it was uh, rather accidental. I didn't intend to go into games. Um, what happened was, back in about 1994, I was uh, looking to uh, get a job programming in Visual Basic. And in order to do that, I really needed to have some experience with Visual Basic. I had a copy of it, and I'd done a little bit, but I hadn't done much. So I was looking around for something to do, and I considered a bunch of different things. And what one thing that I looked at and thought might be simple to do would be to uh, to write a game. And Solitaire came kind of came naturally because I I'd, I'd actually played Solitaire a lot. And so I knew the rules of the game, and I also had seen some some solitaire games that were um, being distributed as shareware at the time. And I said, not only could I do one of these, I could probably do it better than what I, the ones that I'd seen um, that were out there. So um, in pretty much late 1994, I started working on it. And after a while, in mid 95, I I had one that I put out and people actually liked it and so I just kind of kept going with it so it was totally accidental that it was games uh, I like games obviously and, and I, I played games but um, it could have been anything else that it had if it had uh, if I'd taken the time to write something else and it had worked I could have easily wound up with something else but it happened to be games and it happened to be solitaire and once I got going and once people started to like it, and especially once people started sending money, then after that it just kind of built on itself. Okay. Basically, were you in the shareware scene before you started Solitaire? Um, no. I wasn't actually writing anything in, in shareware, although I was certainly um, paying attention to it. Okay. I mean, I'd been... I'd been um, using shareware programs since the mid-'80s, Oh wow! And I was very familiar, and I was actually quite familiar with a few of the the more famous names, and um, so I'd had as an idea that it might be something I might like to do. Uh, okay. Did um well, what inspired you to put it put the game online? Well, at the time, uh, first of all, there wasn't really an internet yet. Um, what you did was you went to places like AOL and CompuServe mostly, and they had file libraries. And you'd upload the files to those file libraries. And that was actually where I downloaded most of the stuff that I looked at. And that's where most people got their, um, if you were into games, that's where you got your games, was from uh, the AOL file library, the CompuServe file library. Um, those were the, the main ones. And so that's where I originally put them. Um, and then, of course, that started. And so 
moved into that fairly quickly when it became clear that that was going to be a major uh, source for where people were going to uh, download the files and download shareware and download games. Um, so then we started moving into the uh, into the internet, uh, but there wasn't even internet ordering for a while. Um, oh wow! There okay. was a nice way. One of the best ways of making money back then was to um, sign up for what was called FW Reg on CompuServe. And it was a way where people would order games or programs, and it, they'd have it charged to their CompuServe bill oh, okay. um, instead of to a credit card. And then CompuServe would send you a check every month, and it, it was fantastic. Okay, and so so you were getting sales and stuff. Um, were you thinking of that as more of a side income, or were you thinking, "Hey, you know, this is now a business that I need to start yeah, for sale"? Yeah, it, it was a, it was a side income for uh, for a couple of years total, um, but um, it didn't take long for the growth to become clear that um, it could uh, become a, a full time job pretty quickly. Um, I, I actually used when I I uh, actually got a job basically because I was able to. I mean, I I made the solitaire game with with VB, and actually then shortly thereafter got a job, and it probably probably helped uh, because it gave me the experience. Okay. Um, so I was working with a uh, with full time job for the first couple of years, um, but. Uh, were, were you involving yourself in the shareware community at that time? Yeah, yeah. I joined the Association of Shareware Professionals back in 1996, okay. and at the time, that that was absolutely the best place to get information because there was no um, there was no uh, community specifically uh, oriented towards games that there is now. Um, it was all just shareware in general, and. ASP was the best place to get the get it, the best information on what everyone was doing at that time. Okay. Uh, so, so I joined that back then, and I'm I'm still a member now, and it's still a great place of, of information. Now you're known for focusing on marketing and promoting the concept of marketing over necessarily the quality of the game. Um, when you first started out, were you just marketing from the beginning, or was that something uh, that the well, ASP? Well, I'm not sure that's actually true. I mean, the the quality, the game quality has to be there. I mean, you have to have a, you have to have a good game. Okay. Um, but that's obviously not going to be enough. Good game. There were there were a lot of good games, but if you didn't uh, make an effort to try and sell it, um, it wasn't going to go anywhere. Uh, the, the, you always assume you've got a good game to start with, but just having a good game isn't going to necessarily make you any money unless you do some things to to get it out there. Um, that said, it, it's it's a lot. The market is a lot. It's a lot different now than it was then. Because then, what you did was you just you could do a lot of marketing things that didn't cost you any money. Okay. And uh, and that was um, that was the way to really get going because you could go and and. I do a lot of marketing over the internet, and there was lots of download sites and places where you could uh, basically get some publicity and some traffic to your website. And there was no there was no cost to you, or or it didn't cost very much um, to to do those things. 
and they're really not those aren't quite as available today although some of the, some of them are still available but uh, it's a lot different now in that the, the search engines are just so much more important now than they were then okay um so when did you make the transition from promoting on the CompuServe and those websites and the AOL websites or services compared to just going online and promoting on these shareware sites? Well, it was sort of a, a, a process that's really started about 1996. I think I got internet ordering probably in late 1996. Um, and so by, by 1997, things were starting to shift um, totally over towards the the internet side and, and you start things like the search engine start becoming important and download sites like download.com started becoming important uh, although back then there was um, the ZDNet site was extremely important and there were a bunch of there were a bunch of other um, internet sites that would get you lots of traffic if you got listed on them um, and they don't exist today okay but it was but it was a process that Basically, over a couple of years, things moved, and it, and it actually was pretty quick. Things moved pretty quick over to the internet, and then everything that was non-internet pretty much died. Um, Were there shareware authors then talking about how times have changed and now you can't make money on yeah, shareware? Yeah, there there was there was a lot of the same sort of thing because a lot of people didn't make the shift. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, a lot of, there were a lot of shareware people who didn't make the shift over to the internet. They they were used to working with. Um, with what were called BBS's bulletin board systems, which are little places where people phone up to to download software and so forth, it was it was uh, similar to the internet in ways, but it was a lot less structured. And they had gotten used to that style of things. And when the internet came along, a lot of them just didn't adjust over, and they and they didn't they basically fell by the wayside, and a whole new crowd of people came in. At that time, and I was I was one of them. who was people who just were starting out with the internet, and so you had a lot of the old timers around saying, "Well, you just can't make money anymore because because this internet thing is coming along and screwing everything up." <laughs> 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 we were saying, well, "Well, that's just crazy because we're just making all this money from from the internet, and you, you just have to change the way you're thinking about um, um, distributing your product." So it's really, uh, it was sort of the same thing that it occurred years later when you have uh, the people um, with the whole game portals coming along, and now some people didn't make the shift for that, and so you so you have the same situation of people saying, well, you can't make any money anymore because everything's changed, and basically the only thing that's just changed is you just need to adjust the way you're marketing the product and you can still do as well as you used to be able to do. Now, in your in your um, shareware career, I guess how many shifts have you been through in your in your experience? Well, there was the big shift when the internet started, which I got in right at the beginning of. Um, there was a big uh, big shift when the whole dot com bubble burst, because there was a whole range. Um, one of the things that got Going in uh, in about '98 and especially '99 was the whole advertising and, and software thing. Oh yeah, which looked like it had a chance to become really profitable. And in fact, um, I made quite a bit of money in a very short period of time 
off the advertising and software thing. But it didn't last very long because around two, right around in 2000, when when the uh, when the stock market started to go down, it just collapsed, and it collapsed fast. By it started collapsing in 2000. By 2001, by the end of 2001, it was gone. Um, so it was a very short thing. Uh, but everybody, it started to look like it was going to be something really big. Okay. And, but it didn't. So that was the one shift. And then at, that, at around that same time, then the whole, um, the game portal started with Real Arcade and so forth. Um, and that started, and it, start, it took a few years for that to get going. Um, but of course now in the last few years, it's become the dominant thing in the whole uh, independent games market. Is is the game portals? Okay. So there's been there's been a number of different shifts, and one gets the feeling we may be at the top of the whole game portals thing, and something else may come along soon to to change it again. Yeah, it seems like um, people who survive in say one era don't necessarily make it to the next era, you know, because of a shift that changes things. How yeah, a lot you, of people don't. Okay, how are you able to just keep on top of things and? Just keep going. Well, you have to be able to say you have to be able to try new things, um, to try in, um, some different t- forms of, of distribution and do something that's a little different. Um, and of course, if you're, it's really largely the marginal people who really get hit the hardest. If you, if you've got a business where you're profitable um, and you're controlling your costs, then it's a lot easier to make a shift because uh, you, okay. you're not you're not operating on the edge all the time, and that there's there's a lot of people I've seen it over the years. A lot of companies, a lot of people, really operate very marginally. They they only just make just enough to get by, um, or they do make a whole lot but spend a whole lot, okay. and that doesn't do them any good when uh, suddenly things shift around. And they're staring uh, a change in the in their revenues in the face, and they're not uh, not able to have a cushion to deal with the the change. Okay, um, going back to ninety seven, ninety eight. So you have your game on the internet. Um, what were you thinking at that time? Are you thinking I'm going to focus on the marketing, or I'm going to focus on improving this product, or? Well, the biggest, the well, the biggest thing was at that stage was improving the product. Um, I had the one big game with pretty good solitaire, and the biggest thing that I was doing at that time was just adding more and more games to it, um, and making it adding more features and making it bigger and better all the time. Um, so I was releasing um, regular re- regularly and new versions at least three times a year, sometimes as many as six times a year, and just kept making the product bigger and better and that was really helping the sales move higher and higher all the time. And plus, I was getting more and more into the marketing side as as it went along and trying to do um, more and more to try and get more traffic to the website. Okay. Did you also have competition at that time? Or were people still thinking, like, look, Solitaire's free with every Windows machine. How could anyone sell Solitaire? Yeah, but that's not the that wasn't the main competition. I mean, the the Microsoft the games that uh, come with Windows have actually been a great plus. 
uh, when you, what that does, what that's done is that actually shows people a solitaire game, which they might not have otherwise seen it. Uh, a lot of people, they're only um, the first time they've ever seen the solitaire game is when they saw the the game with Windows, and so it's actually been a, a great way for people to be familiar with the game without my having to to familiarize people with it. And every time Microsoft added a new game to Windows, it made that game popular, and people would go around looking for better versions of it. And the first one that happened was FreeCell. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, FreeCell wasn't in the original Windows. It, it was with Windows 95. It was the first time it was with Windows. And so when Windows 95 came out, that's the first time anybody had ever heard of or seen FreeCell. And so that's when people started to get interested in that game. And a lot of people then started looking around the Internet for a better version or a different version of FreeCell than the one that came with Windows. And that was huge for me because I was just getting started right when that was happening. Um, and so having FreeCell in Windows 95 was just an enormous boon for um, pretty good solitaire and for my FreeCell-specific products that I put out at that time. And then they did it again when Windows ME came out. It had a, the game Spider in it, which is the first time that had been in Windows. And so most people only first saw Spider when that came out, when either ME or well, a lot of people didn't see it until XP came out, because not that many people got ME anyway. But um, when XP really came going, then Spider really became a popular game because people were just seeing it in Windows for the first time. And so, again, people would go on the Internet and, and start looking for a Spider Solitaire game because they'd um, look for something better than the one that came with Windows. And so I made a Spider-specific product, and it also helped um, the pretty good Solitaire having uh, Spider and lots of games like it in, in it. Um, so every time they added a, uh, a different Solitaire game, it would make that game popular, and it would uh, increase my business. Because okay. people would look for a better version. Because the versions that come with Windows are just basic, and they don't have any special features or anything. Um, so anybody who was selling a better version than what came with Windows, um, if it were better, it would succeed. Okay. Um, well, since you were one of the first ones on the Internet, did you have any other competition from other shareware authors? or? Did oh, oh yeah. There was, there was a huge number of different shareware solitaire games when I just started. Because I, I was looking, I, w I looked at the different ones on the on the market. Uh, of course, at the very beginning, they were all mostly just either single game or a collect small collection of games, maybe five games or something like that. Um, and then after I got going, there were um, there were a number of other competitors who got started within a few years at the same time. Um, and there was quite a lot of competition there in the late 90s and, and so on. And, and there still is. I mean, there's still other um, share collections of solitaire games. Uh, most of, some of them have stopped being updated. In fact, a lot of them have, but there's still a couple who are still updating them fairly regularly. So there's, there's still competition out there. Okay, and how did you go about differentiating yourself then from the competition? Well, the number one thing I always did was I always tried to have the most games, um, and I almost always had that. Um, 
had had more games than anybody else um, at any given time. And the other thing was simply to have the best features make it the most playable. That, that didn't necessarily mean have the fanciest and flashiest features, but simply to have the features that the people who play the game most want. Because um, one thing a lot of the, if you're a programmer type, you tend one mistake programmer types tend to make is they they tend to just throw in programmer type features <laughs> into a, into their product, even into the games. They, they they do programmer type features into a game, something that would really appeal to programmer types, but that doesn't necessarily appeal to the people who are playing the game. Which in the case of the solitaires was. I mean, I early on discovered this was a largely female, largely older um, demographic. It's standard now. Everybody knows that that's the demographic for casual games, but nobody knew that back in the in the late 90s. And so um, the people, the programmers who were making programmer-type features, um, and they may have thought, gee, this, this is G-Wiz stuff, and it's, uh, they're better than... Been pretty good solitaire because they've got this some, this great G Wiz feature, but it's not the kind of thing that the the players cared about. And there's a lot of good features that I put in that the players cared about that made it, the playing of the game better. Um, and that's how I differentiated it from the competition was making basically a lot of the features came from users who said, "Wouldn't it be cool if we could do this?" Wouldn't well. Was often would it would make it so much easier if it would do this and like and so forth and I'd put them in if it if I thought that that was the case and so it just kind of grew. Okay, and then during the late '90s, you were talking about the advertising boom. Um, right. How did that play into then your business? Well, basically, what happened was we put out a free version, a free game of a small collection of. Um, Solitaire games, which we called Free Solitaire, and uh, had that out there as freeware, and it got a ton of downloads during that period. And originally, it was just freeware to try and get people to then advertise the the full shareware version. But uh, then we started putting uh, banner ads in it, and started showing a ton of banner ads every month. It was it was just astounding. The the number of ad impressions that it generated because um, people it had a lot of users to begin with and plus people would play it for a long period of time okay so it would if it showed an ad every 30 seconds or every minute if somebody's showing playing for a half an hour it just added up to an incredible number of uh, ad impressions but of course right about that time it was really starting to show all these ad impressions the whole Internet ad market just completely fell apart when the stock market crashed. Okay, uh, the reason I asked that is because now you know the internet advertising market is also right. supposedly yeah, picking up. Yeah, you're, you're hearing it again. <laughs> uh, you're hearing that. Put, let's put advertisements in games. Yeah, what's what's your opinion on that then? Um, well, it sounded good then, and you know, I mean, it might work, but I think that. You're going to run into the same problems that the that they ran into the first time. Um, they basically ran into two major problems. Um, there was the problem of uh, basically a spyware problem, 
and problem of getting advertisers to actually pay a significant amount for the for uh, to put for these ads. Um, the spyware problem is a really big problem because you have the main thing issue with those uh, advertising programs is they had to report back how many ads they were showing and so forth in some way, okay. and that caused problems with being called spyware. Because if it has to report back, it has to phone home somehow because you're showing ads and you you need to charge the advertisers for those ads. So they, they had to know how many ads they were showing and so forth. So you had these applications that had to phone home somehow. And the original advertising companies did a really bad, bad job of, um, of it technically. Um, and they didn't uh, disclose what they were doing very well and so forth. But anybody who's going to do that today is going to have the same issues of how do you phone home in a way that's not going to get you called spyware. Okay. And, and then the second issue is then how are you going to get a good price for these ads? Because advertisers, they're not familiar with advertising in games. And um, so are you going to get good advertisers and willing to pay a lot, or are you just going to get junk advertisers? And that will be one of the issues. Anybody who does it is going to have to deal with those. Okay, but but it still could be a viable shift. Um, it could. Ha I think. It, well, I think it could happen, but um, I wouldn't want to put all of my eggs in that basket. <laughs> okay. Um, so let's go back to now the dot com crash or stock market crash. At that time, um, what are you thinking then about the shareware industry and where your product and company can go? Well, the interesting thing was while the advertising revenue dropped, um, the actual shareware income was just going higher and higher because um, even though the whole internet, internet uh, industry was having problems, the, the traffic was in, continuing to go up. And in retrospect, you can see that what was happening was that older people were getting computers more and more during that period. And so there was the the natural demographic, the the older and and more female demographic was really starting to get computers because a lot of them hadn't had computers up until that time or hadn't been, weren't on the internet up until that time. And so what was happening is the market was just getting bigger and bigger. And so uh, that's when sales really started to explode. It was right in 2000, 2001. Okay. And, and I think it's mostly because the market just was getting much so much bigger. And were you still using the same marketing techniques at that time, or did you start uh, trying out or testing new things? At that time, the big thing that was changing was the pay-per-click search engines were coming. Um, oh wow! Okay, yeah. Yeah. Prior to then, you you didn't have to really pay for anything. I mean, you, you'd get on sites like ZDNet and Download.com, and it was all free. Everything was free up until that period around 2000 or so and that's when the pay-per-click um, at first it was goto.com which eventually became Overture and is now part of Yahoo um, and so I started spending a lot of money because I was I was getting a good return on that um, and through Overture where you just uh, um, pay for traffic basically and then Google came along and started their pay-per-click thing and so I started with that on their like the first day they had it, and 
that just grew and grew. Um, and a whole bunch of other pay-per-click search engines kind of came and went. Um, but now it's mostly just Yahoo and, and Google. And so what that did was that allowed you to buy a whole lot more traffic than a lot more traffic than you could ever have gotten before. Um, although the downside was that you had to pay for it. Okay. I also noticed that you have a freesell.org. Were you around that time? Were you also putting in like adding more content to your site or adding just creating yeah, more websites? Yeah, yeah. One, one of the best things um, that I did was um, was to build content sites. Uh, I actually started with a site called uh, SolitaireGames.com. Um, it still exists, though it's not the same as it, it was years ago. It started out as a um, a, a content site where um, it would just have information about solitaire and the rules to the games and so forth. Um, and that was a huge source of traffic because it would rank high in the search engines and so forth. And the freesale.org is the same sort of thing. It was a site, it was the information site about the game freesale. And that became a huge source of traffic too because it gets into the search engines and, uh, if you get highly ranked in search engines, basically you get the, the free traffic there. Um, so those were things that I was doing in the late 90s as well, is building those content sites. Um, and you can really only do that if you've got a, um, if your products fit in some sort of niche. Okay. And it's, it's really kind of important to have your own little niche where you can, where you can have a product that's specifically about something that people are searching for, and then you can build sites that are about that topic so people will search and find those sites and then move on to your your games. And, and that was a huge thing in towards getting traffic to my website. Okay. And then, um, then 2002, 2003, it just seemed like a lot more people were considering the independent games route. Um, did you change your strategy? Some of them yeah. are just reaping the rewards. Yeah, it's, it's, well, I was thinking about it. See, what happened there was around in 2002, we we released the new uh, Mahjong game, pretty good Mahjong game. So that sort of moved it um, out into a different niche, although it's really closely related. Yeah. Um, so what I was thinking about doing at that time is the 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 puzzle games were getting really popular and the portals were really coming along and of course PopCap had come along and so forth. Um, so I was serious, I seriously considered for a while kind of jumping into that market and, and making um, other types of games um, and, and I thought about it and very nearly did it but finally in the end decided to just stick with the niche that I'm in and I think it was probably a good decision um, because as it turned out, the, the level of competition, the number of people just jumped in is just insane. Um, the the number of of puzzle and type games that there are out there now, all competing for exactly the same people, is just amazing. And I was glad I just kind of stayed in the niche that I can uh, do well in because I've been in it so long, and and really know the the customers well rather than trying to jump out and do something where I would have been facing all those all those different uh, competitors who are just all doing the same thing 
so it was 2002, 2003. You decided to forego the puzzle opportunity. Right. And um, were you then just going to f- pretty much focusing then on the card niche? Yeah, basically we um, decided to stick with the solitaire and mahjong tile games and just keep building on what we have there, making new games when we can find them and just keep coming out new versions of our current games and just keep making them better and um, concentrate on the niche that I know best. Okay. Now, around that time, pay-per-click was getting better known. Did you have to then differentiate again in terms of marketing? Yeah, the main problem with pay-per-click, of course, is that it starts getting more... Over time, it, the price that you had to pay per click kept going up and up. And so you have to uh, pay more and more for the traffic. And the other flip side is the traffic got less and less quality as time went on, too. Okay. Uh, so it's come to the point where, uh, while I still do pay per click, I don't spend nearly as much as I used to. Um, because it, it just doesn't give the same return that it used to give in the early years. Okay. In 2004 and 2005, it just seemed like the portals were becoming a much huger factor. And uh, Yeah, they're, they're, they just keep, seem to dominate uh, the, from, the whole game industry now. Okay, from your perspective, because it seems like the demographic for your audience is similar to the demographic of the portal audience. Were you then thinking of going through the portals? Well, I actually have been in the portals ever since. Um, I've had a game on Real Arcade since 2000. Oh, so, okay. I mean, I was there before the portals were even <laughs> were even big. one of the first ones on the portals, in fact. Um, but I've never really pushed it. And uh, largely is the reason I never is because I didn't have to um, because I'm getting so much of my own traffic that uh, I haven't needed to uh, to go on the portals and plus I also have some a little bit of problems with their pri- the way they price the stuff is they don't um, they tend to basically give their games away sometimes and that uh, that's uh, not a good thing especially if I'm trying to make a living selling it on my own, if they're just giving the same thing away um, on their site, and I'm trying to sell it on my site, that doesn't work very well. Um, so, okay. I, so if I haven't done too much with the portals, although I am on them, and um, I'd like to try and increase um, um, the number of games I have on the portals, because we do have the same um, same audience. Um, the odd thing is that the, the portals don't seem to pay much attention to the solitaire market for some reason. Uh, I mean, there have been some successes, uh, some solitaire games that have done well on the portals, um, but they they really seem to dumb things down um, a lot. I mean, the games that they that they put out there that are in the solitaire genre are just incredibly dumbed down, and I think they're they're misreading the market in many ways. They seem to think that that's the only thing that sells or whatever. Um, whereas there's there's a lot of intelligent and strategic solitaire games you can play, but you won't play, be able to play them on any of the portals because they don't uh, 
they don't seem to care for that kind of game. Okay. A lot of, well, some people, say on Indie Gamer, have talked about how, because of the portals, it's really hard for an independent game company to even sell off their own site. I mean, was that a concern for you? Do you think that's going to be a future concern for you? Well, I think it, it always has been hard. Um, I think the, the thing that they need, um, most of all, again, is, is that you need to have some sort of niche where you're actually in some sort of recognizable type of game where if somebody could actually search for it on the Internet, um, that's kind of a problem for a lot of people's types of games. You can't really search for puzzle game. Okay. It's it's not a it's many of the, the the type three matching games and stuff. There's no keyword on the internet you can search for that. Um, they're almost they've almost given them up to the portals because there's no way you could sell that independently because you got no hook to to put it on. You, there's nothing like. Um, with a solitaire game, somebody could type in solitaire. If you're selling a, a hearts game or something, you could, you could do the search on hearts or hearts card game or something like that. There's just nothing that you can hang on to with some of these games that people are putting out that they could get Internet search traffic on them. Okay. And if you're going to have your own site, you've got to get traffic from the search engines. And in order to get traffic from the search engines, there has to be a keyword that they can type in that you will come up in the search for. And forget about where they rank in the rankings. If you don't even have a keyword that gets you to the that gets you to the topic of your game, then you're kind of screwed for getting uh, traffic to you. Okay. Um, you also talked about on the forums before you've tried to well, you've done some retail deals. Right. And in your opinion, do you find retail useful? Or... Uh, oh yeah, it, okay. it's actually a nice source of, of extra income. Okay, um, we've been on the in uh, been on the retail shelves since 1998, pretty much continuously, and it really depends on how how um, your publisher's distribution is, what kind of distribution they're getting, and that can really vary. Sometimes they seem to get great distribution, and sometimes they get terrible distribution. Well, if you can get a retail publisher that can get you into the major chain stores like Walmart and Best Buy and so forth, then that's going to sell some copies and that's going to make some money. Um, and so it's a nice, if you've got a business going where you're already selling it on the Internet and making money that way, then just selling it retail is just extra money. It, it's a great additional revenue source. Okay. Um, another opportunity well you've around 2004 2005 i mean you have your products out you're constantly improving your products um were you then still focusing on solitaire the most or were you trying to promote mahjong and some of your other products um well i'm pretty much sticking with with the solitaire i mean, I, I try to promote the mahjong um but uh, the the solitaire is certainly the the core and all of my other products are all solitaire games, and so um, I'm still trying, mostly sticking to promoting the solitaire the most. 
Okay. Um, in the past year, there's been rise of what's been called Web 2.0, social networking, stuff like that. Right. Um, in your opinion, do you see then a shift, a potential shift in terms of building a community around your games? Or is that something that you've tried, that you've already done before? Because I noticed that you do have certain types of things that you release for free for for paying customers of your game. Yeah. Um, yeah. There, well, I'm sure that there's there's going to be ways to do community. Um, we do have a I do have a discussion forum on the site, which gets a, a fair amount of traffic. Um, one of the kind of the core problem with the whole community thing with me is that I'm playing what are I'm selling what are fundamentally single yeah, player solitaire. games. I mean, yeah. Solitaire. <laughs> so a community uh, a community of solitaire uh, pro players is almost an oxymoron. Um, so it doesn't really work that well for me. Although there's there, I mean, there are things that I can do. But I think um, if you have multiple multiplayer games, you can make a good community. I mean, if you have uh, like a number of people who have um, multiplayer card games, um, do quite a lot with the community um, because they have a, net, a fundamentally multiplayer game. Um, and therefore, um, it makes sense to have various uh, community aspects to it. And I think that will, uh, as the technology keeps getting better for that, I'm sure that's going to keep um, keep improving. The people who have the multiplayer type games are um, definitely should be putting in uh, various community aspects into their games. Okay. Um, but I think there will also always be a, a place for single player games too, because there are just sometimes when people just want to play a single player game. Okay. Um, another thing in the past year, you know, people have been talking about this advertising model and how it could actually work and it could totally change the way games are or revenues made from games. Um, I know you talked about the spyware issue, but what about where do you see the concept of saying having being online and just playing, say, solitaire online? and just seeing ads that way? Or this whole concept of just, instead of having a downloadable product, it's now an online product? Um, yeah, that could, I mean, that could work. I mean, I actually do have some online, uh, um, totally online games on my site uh, that uh, generate uh, some traffic, and I use it primarily to promote my, uh, my downloadable games. Um, but sure, I mean, you, you can, there's, going to be people being able to play uh, that'll want to play the solitaire games online. Um, I suppose as the technology keeps getting better, um, there may well turn out to be sites where you can play lots of different solitaire games online. Um, And I may wind up doing that, but uh, for now there's really not much of an advantage to doing it that way over having a downloadable game where you can play online or offline and and um, have it installed on the computer and so forth. Okay. But How I'm, lo- sure that, I'm sure there'll be lots of, uh, in, there's probably lots of opportunities for online games, but of course the only way to make money off of it would be through selling advertising. And then that's where you run, in, you run into the problems where you have to either have somebody to sell the advertisements for you or you sell them yourself, and, and selling it yourself is probably going to be a problem. Okay. Well, what about 
the software then as a service. So it's not necessarily advertisement, but it's something where you subscribe to the service and then you're able to play Solitaire or whatever game online wherever you want. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think the only way that works is if it catches on across the whole software industry. I mean, if everybody is paying for software that way and everybody's familiar with it, then it's going to work okay. because it's, everybody's doing it. Uh, and the customers are familiar with that paint way of playing for software. But if you're trying, if you're going to try and blaze a trail um, and become like the first person <laughs> or the, to to sell software that way, you're going to you're probably going to have a hard time of it. Okay. That's now you mentioned. Okay. You have a you have a downloadable demo, and then you also have the online. You have some online games to promote your product. Right. Um, what do you find is the most effective? Um, well, the best the best thing that sells it the the trial version is the best seller of the the game more than anything. Okay. Um, but people who actually download the trial version are most of the buyers. Uh, now you get people who go to the site and will buy without downloading, um, but the primary source of, of of sales is from people who download the game, try it, and like it, and buy it from within the game itself. Okay. Now, okay. Now let's go into present day. Uh, where do you see your company going, and what do you see as some of the concerns of an independent game developer? Um, well, I think the whole portal thing is probably the biggest biggest thing going right now in terms of concerns. I, I mean, I, I see, as far as my company is concerned, I'm I'm planning on basically staying in the same course, maybe trying some new things um, as I go along. But for the industry itself, the thing is going to be what happens with all these uh, portals. Um, there's got to be some sort of big shakeout coming um, because eventually there's just too much product, too many games fighting over, even though the market is a lot larger than it used to be, it's getting to the point where there's so many games fighting for everybody's attention. Um, eventually, people are going to start finding out they're not making much money and they're going to start dropping out and the portals themselves are going to start having problems. Um, that's what I'm expecting to see is is the you'll know that the the boom is over when the first portal starts having financial trouble. The first portal goes under or something. Um, and I imagine that I would think that at least half of them or more are going to eventually fail uh, because there's just too many of them. Uh, the market's just not going to support that kind of uh, that many games going. Um, at the same time. Okay. So I think the biggest the biggest thing is going to be how are you the biggest thing for an independent developer I think is going to be is how are you going to survive when the portals suddenly stop um, start having problems. Okay. And do you have a way of surviving through that? Okay. On indie gamers, some people will mention that it was totally different a while back, that it was much easier to start a game company back then as compared to now, and that now it's almost impossible. Um, what do you think? What's what's your opinion to someone well, who's think thinking of just same, starting out? They said the same thing back then, too. They said it was almost impossible <laughs> then, too. <laughs> um, 
it, it's always hard to start it uh, when you're starting your own company, and uh, most companies fail. I mean, it's the simple fact is that most new companies fail, and only if you succeed. So it's always hard. Um, Ten years ago, the the people that who were in the market then, most of them failed then. Um, so it's not new. Uh, it's always going to be difficult, and the best thing you just to succeed, you just you have to really keep trying at it, and you have to um, make sure that you make more money than you spend. <laughs> okay, that's that's the 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 key things is is be profitable and be uh, be persistent. Okay. What would you say are the top three lessons or realizations that you've had as you've grown your company? Top three, boy, I don't know. Um, Any top one? Um, well, I don't know what you mean by realizations. <laughs> well, oh, okay. Well, let's say something that just made you, I guess, expand your company even greater or just allow you to be even more successful. Um. Like, for well, example, some people might have, when they first started out, they're just like, it's all about the game. But then maybe they realize that, oh, it's marketing is a very important part or something like that. Yeah, it, it was the, the realization that mostly um, the thing thing you had to realize was that it's kind of a percentage game. If you got a, if you've got a good game, you're you're going to get a certain percentage of the people who try it to buy. So the key is to get as many people as you can to try it. Um, you, you've actually got, well, you've basically got to, to re, you've got to realize there's two, there's really two ways you do it. You either increase your percentage of the people trying it or you increase the number of people trying it. And there are pros and cons and concentrating on either one of those. Um, but you've got to get more and more people to try your game. So you've got to do marketing in the sense you've got to get people to your site, you've got to get people to your download. And then you've got to figure out how do you increase the number of people who are trying it to buy it. And so if you, if you look at the, you've got to look at top line and bottom line both. And you've got to understand that, that both are, part, are playing into it. And you've got to get a certain number of eyeballs. You can have the best percentage converting thing in the world, but if you've only got 10 people downloading it, um, you're not going to make much money. So you got to get get a lot of people downloading, but you've also then got to um, worry about trying to get as many, the highest percentage of people who are downloading to buy as possible. And it's, it's sort of an art form, really, of... Um, of convincing people to uh, to buy your product, and of course, the best place to do it, the best place to be doing your convincing, is in the product itself. Uh, the website's nice, and you and you got you want to have something on your website to get people to buy it. But the main place where people are going to buy your product is in the product itself, and so your main marketing is going to be uh, inside the game itself. How you're marketing inside the game is is um, it's going to determine how much money you're going to make. Okay. And it's and a lot of people just throw up a, a little screen that says, 
with a buy button, and that's all they do. And uh, if you've got a great game, that might be enough. But uh, uh, if you're a mere mortal, you're probably going to have to work a little harder. Okay. So you pretty much constantly experiment with ways to increase the rates and stuff like that. Yeah, you've got to be experimenting with how to get people who are inside the game playing to buy. Um, And I've made tons of changes over the years on how... um, how I try to get people to buy from within the game itself, because okay. that's that's where your that's where your uh, customers are your your potential customers are. If they're sitting there playing your trial version, and so you got to try and figure out how do you get them from playing that trial version. How do you get them to click to to the order page? Okay. Now, if you were a new indie game developer today, and you were looking for a product niche. How would you go about doing that? Um, I mean, do you think probably, it would be wise to make something for the portals now, or? Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> if you're going to try and do, go to a niche, you probably you probably might want to forget about portals. You you want to look for, um, you look at different game genres and uh, look at uh, come up with uh, search keywords and do. I would basically do a lot of internet searches. I would search on various different types of game keywords and see what comes up, see what's available, um, see whether it looks like there's a a sufficient number of people doing these searches for that type of game that you could uh, make some money off of if there's enough traffic. Um, And there are ways you can find out how much traffic certain keywords are getting. you can do that through the pay-per-click search engines themselves because they tell you um, how many searches there are on certain keywords. And and you can also figure it out from traffic from the various websites that come up in the searches, whether they're, uh, um, whether they're making uh, or getting enough traffic that you could uh, get enough downloads that a, uh, uh, a game could uh, make you money. Okay. Um, okay, here's the last question. Do you have any advice for people who are currently game developers or having their own indie game development company? I guess what's, what would you think is the most important thing for someone who's, who has their company right now? Well, the most important thing is to make sure you're, you're profitable and you've got uh, a cushion for when things go wrong because things will go wrong. Um, and you need to be able to survive it when uh, when things do go wrong. So, I mean, I'm I, I, I'm tremendously conservative about how I mean how much money I've made and how little I spend and stuff like that. Um, the main thing is, if the more profitable you are, the more mar- margin of safety you've got, the more likely you're going to survive should there be um, bad times ahead. And that's that's really the most important thing. If you want to stick around for a long period of time, you've got to be prepared for the for the bad part of the cycle because if you're around for long enough, you'll eventually get there. Okay, cool. Thank you. Thanks again for your time. Okay.